Anyway, while you're setting up, I went to see uh, Doctor Strange. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah. So, uh, oh yeah, yeah. You know, it's so hard. It's so <laughs> hard to get an appointment, isn't it? And uh, <laughs> he said, "Look, the main thing is don't do anything silly." I said, "What about the podcast?" He said, "Well, that's what I'm saying." <laughs> <laughs> I know you were having, you know, all kinds of examinations. I didn't realise you needed magical ones. <laughs> Always. I mean, <laughs> talk about a multiverse. <laughs> as I do, anyway. Well, uh, welcome everybody. Higher energy. Higher energy. Oh, whatever. Uh, hello. Uh, welcome to episode. Hundred ninety nine, I think. Uh, Hundred ninety nine. Um, yeah, I'm Nick Page. There's Joe Davis. Hi, everyone. Lord, that's what it's like. God. That's why I have to be low energy because you've got more than enough energy for both of us. Yes, episode hundred ninety nine. Hmm. I know. I hope no one's expecting anything special for two hundred. No, I just realised we haven't, <laughs> we haven't actually. Done anything. We haven't planned anything, no. have we? Why is that? What? Why haven't we planned anything? Um, because we're not very good at organising stuff. <laughs> yes, that's it. That's it. I was, I was just wondering if there's some sort of deep psychological thing about how you know we didn't really want to think about having gone on this long or whatever. <laughs> but actually, it is just because yeah, we're rubbish. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> deep down. I think deep down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, hopeless. Anyway. Yes. Yeah, so welcome everybody. This episode we've got. Uh, uh, a really interesting interview and a very topical one. Yes. Because it's all Eurovision. It's all Eurovision with lovely Lisa Jane Lewis. Yep. We're bringing together two extremely weird things. <laughs> Christianity and Eurovision. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's a mashup. <laughs> yeah, what a mashup. Uh, yeah, so we'll, we'll get on to that. Joe's done an interview. But in the meantime, let me just find out how things are going. How are I'm you? I'm very well, thank you. Yeah, uh, like I say, fresh back from Doctor Strange. That was a weird film. Did you enjoy it? I didn't. Not really. It was, yeah. yeah. I think it's difficult to talk about without spoilers, but my, mm. my big problem was I couldn't really go with the basic central bit of the plot. Yes, no, uh, I agree. About who, who is the villain and all yeah. that. I just didn't yeah. go with it. And for me, it kind of tarnished other bits of... Marvel that I'd enjoyed mm. but I did I mean it was, there was nothing against it but it mm. yeah it just mm. didn't mm. it was that bit I couldn't get yeah. over yeah. anyway yeah. yeah there we are I wouldn't pay more than £3.50 to see it put it that way well you never pay more than £3.50 to see yeah, anything that's true <laughs> um, also we of course but the, the big news is we had our Enneagram day uh, for fives and it was glorious the weather was great the teaching was amazing because Ali did it and, and it was just great to get people together who I think were saying yeah you get it <laughs> or you get me, you know. So that was Quite that was fantastic. Um, Hang on, let me ask you a bit about it. So you've done what one? We've done ones and fives. Yep. Are you going to work all the way through? I think so. I think that's the idea. Gradually, we we'll get around to it. There's nine. On what basis are you proceeding though? Because you've gone from one to five. I don't understand that. Surely twos would have been well. Next. No, not necessarily. Because there's head gut types there's you know there's, oh, there's all these different all so yeah you haven't got to go one two three four five six seven eight nine i mean how dull would that be 
who wants a world where that's the way we go? No, not us. So no, we'll just go all <laughs> over the place, but we, we will end up doing getting around to everyone. So that's good. Oh, okay. Interesting. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, other things. Uh, well, you know, life goes on. I did a funeral this morning. Nobody came. Oh, I kind no. of knew that was probably going to be the case, but just nobody. Uh, and I always find those slightly, yeah, sad, I suppose. So. Well, very sad, but, but what's, I mean, I don't know what details you can give, but what, how is that possible? I, well, I struggle to see how this that is This lady possible. had a daughter, but the daughter is in a psychiatric hospital that is nowhere okay. nearby. And the council has to just don't know anything, have no contacts, have no... It was, right. it was a friend who contacted, but said that they didn't want to come to the funeral. Um, so very little was known. So you end up, well, I end up, reading a psalm over them and saying the Lord's Prayer and doing a blessing over them and saying the words of committal and off they go. It's... I mean, just what a great thing that you are there and that you you care about it. Because I know, knowing you, you're not just, it's not just like ticking off a box. No, there, is it? no, absolutely. I, I, in fact, I had a conversation with the funeral director beforehand and said, I'm still going to do this because yes. I'm still a human being. And whatever you believe yes. about this person and whether there's an afterlife is, is, is completely irrelevant in this moment. Yes. Because this matters to me now. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, no, it's one of those things. But anyway. Well, bless yeah. you. Bless and, you and, but, what a thing. on the subject of incredible listeners... Um, we've had some. We've had some... Wait, how, hold on. How did that? <laughs> well, work? Like, you know, I don't know. I'm just what? moving on. <laughs> we, yeah, we've had some great emails in. We've had some lovely stuff. Lovely John uh, sent in a poem about a kestrel that he, I think, was inspired by Dunwich Heath, where I came live from. You may remember from the intro last week. Yes, 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 with the elephant. And uh, it's a poem about a kestrel. It's just amazing and uh, fabulous, John. Um, he wrote in and he's been... That's a different John. A different John. Oh, yes, another John. Sorry. John yeah. 389 came in and yeah. he uh, has been singing with nightingales. And I'm hoping that in the not too distant future, we might listen to some of that. So wow. there's, you know, life's rich tapestry, isn't it? We're up, we're down, we're all over the place. That's me. How are you? Mm. <laughs> well, I am very relaxed i mean firstly i'm triumphant played squash this morning one three nil is this against dr I strange mean, against against <laughs> dr strange yeah, yeah indeed and and <laughs> you know just a complete reversal of last week and so i feel i you know feel vindicated by the lord <laughs> I feel the lord has the lord has gone before me yes, beautiful <laughs> Yeah, I smited him with my mighty racket. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Steve, if you're listening, what have you done? Yeah. I'm so sorry. Uh, <laughs> and how about your little short break? Well, well, so that I'm very chilled because I went on a, a canal boat. I went on the now, you know, it started at Nuneaton, which I think we have to honestly say, and no disrespect to Nuneaton, not perhaps in the top. 10 tourist destinations. Okay. I don't know. I've never been. Well, it's not even in the top 10 tourist destinations near Nunny. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, it wouldn't even be in there. 
Um, Harsh. But on the Coventry, on the Coventry Canal. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I spent three days on on a boat, and it was absolutely blissful, brilliant. Mm. I mean, the weather was fantastic. Yeah, for that one helps. Thing. So, mm. so that really helped. But actually, it's such a mindful kind of mm. holiday. It's really good um, because when you're steering, for example. There's enough to think about because you've got to look ahead and you've got to obviously mm. steer, the, steer the boat. But you're only going four miles an hour. Yeah, nice. So it's not really coming at you fast. Yeah. So you, 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 you're you not really stressed. So you'd have to, you're not much stress, but also you can't think about anything else. So it's, it's really good. I found it really relaxing. Uh, yeah, excellent. People did ask me, everybody on the boat, right, asked me, how would Joe get on here? What would mm. Joe be like mm. on here? Specifically, they asked, would you go on a narrowboat holiday with Joe Davis? <laughs> I think we all know the answer to that, don't we? <laughs> well, I don't know. You see, I think it could go either way with you. I think you could enjoy the chilled, would, relaxed nature. That. And wildlife. Um, yeah, oh, the wildlife's good. Or you could be running up and down the boat going, what are we going to do next? What are we going to What's no. happening next? What are we going to do? Well, I tell you what, old Joe may have done that. I think when we first mm. knew each other, but now I'm right up for a canal boat holiday. Yeah, yeah oh yeah. Well, let's maybe we should have a canal boat uh, <laughs> mid-faith crisis sort of yeah. podcast trip. Yes, wouldn't that be yeah, good? And the listeners can come. You're all welcome if you'd like to come. <laughs> yeah, no. Well, perhaps we should think about it. I, I, you know, we'd have to get a boat that was strong enough to carry the weight of cheese that you'd require. <laughs> It's true. Probably ha- we might have to tow an extra barge behind us just for the cheese. Actually, thinking about it, but uh, no, it'd be fun. Anyway, it was wonderful, absolutely wonderful. Great, loved it, and you know, felt very relaxed. Um, the only downside, really, was that that we couldn't get to watch Eurovision. Oh no! But the good thing is, you have got a guest to talk <laughs> it's about that. True. I really have got a good good guest to talk about it. So set this up for us. Okay, so uh, Lisa Jane Lewis, who I think I said at the beginning, is a long-term listener of ours and generally lovely person, really helped us organise a few bits and pieces as well in her time. So thank you for that. Lord knows we need organising. She's just (laughs) back from Eurovision, so I wanted to take the opportunity to ask her some questions. And also, I actually watched uh, a significant amount of it this year. I missed just a little bit uh, in the middle, but I got to see some of the acts. (laughs) I saw our guy the lovely Sam Ryder and um and watched all of the all of the voting yeah so anyway it seemed like a great opportunity <laughs> uh, to talk to Lisa so I'm so glad she spared me some time and here it comes well I'm delighted to welcome long overdue some might say to the podcast the Midfaith Rises podcast the lovely Lisa Jane Lewis hi Lisa Hi, Joe. Uh, Lisa has been with us, for those of you who don't know, which I guess is most of you, from the very beginning. She's one of our 17 listeners, to be fair. And um, on our first birthday, you made us a birthday cake, complete with a very impressive Ethel. Um, I did, yes. I made you an, an Ethel in fondant icing. <laughs> that was absolutely magnificent. And, uh, well, you have uh, many um, strings to your bow, but... Um, the one I particularly want to talk about uh, is Eurovision. You've have you just come back from Eurovision? I got in at ten o'clock last night. Great, Italy, yeah. <laughs> and I saw you cavorting uh, shamelessly with Scott Mills and Ryland and all those kind of people. Did you get to meet Sam Ryder at all? 
I did meet Sam, yeah, quite briefly, um, because obviously he's re- he's he's busier than Scott and Ryland because he's got all the rehearsals and everything to to go through. Um, and I mean, Scott and Ryland and Graham and and the whole crew from the BBC are busy, um, but yeah, I did meet Sam really briefly, very quick interview with him on the on the turquoise carpet last Sunday. But I've known I've known Scott for quite a few years now, and Ryland is a slightly newer addition to the team, so I've known him for. a two yeah. years now as well <laughs> okay so let's backtrack a bit here how come why where why how do you get to go to eurovision and what are you doing out there i ask myself that every year when it comes around <laughs> why am i here again <laughs> somebody remind me um so i work as a freelance journalist um mm. and i've done that for a number of different people over the years um i started out with eurovision ireland so covering the contest from a, a, an irish perspective um I moved to one of the fan community sites called ESC Insight. And that's Mm. a site that does a lot more kind of nerdy analysis of things. And that was really good. I enjoyed that. Um, In 2018, I was a commentator for the US uh, radio broadcast, first broadcast in the US. I was one of the first commentators. That's how how I met Rylan, because he was commentating. That was his first year with the BBC and my first year commentating as well. and then I worked with ORF, the Austrian broadcaster, and for the last two, three, well, three years-ish now, because um, we had the contest that was cancelled, I've been with a UK radio syndicate uh, from Switch Radio based in Derbyshire, and we produce a radio show called All Out Eurovision, and it goes out to a number of syndicated radio stations around the UK, and this year, for the first time, Gibraltar. So I'm very Oh, happy. there you go. <laughs> well done. So... Um, that's tremendous. And I imagine that more than 17 people would listen to that um, throughout. <laughs> you would hope, wouldn't you? I don't. <laughs> our, reach, our reach, Joe, is 500,000. So well, that's... there you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, I, I wanted to get you on the podcast because there's a number of things that sort of um, I want to ask you. Well, one, one chief thing I want to ask you, but before we get to that, what are your memories that you're bringing back from Eurovision 2022? Oh, goodness. I mean, I haven't had a lot of time to process it, having mm. arrived back last night and then been straight back in my day job uh, today. Mm. Um, I mean, we were, first of all, let's never mind Eurovision. We were in Italy. At, so mm. one has to mention the amazing food and just mm. what a great city Turin was. Turin was a real kind of surprise to me. I don't know what I was imagining it to be. But it wasn't what I thought it was going to be, even though I didn't know what that was. Turin is a bit of a, a strange little city because it's not one of the main places. When you think of Italy, mm. you think of Rome and Milan and Naples and Venice. Mm. You don't think of Turin and it's sort of tucked away in its own little backwater. So it's it runs a little bit quieter and calmer than Milan and Turin uh, uh, and Rome and places like that. So. I think one of the first things, never mind the contest, one of the first things I'm bringing back was how much I really enjoyed Turin. So okay. I, yeah. I recommend that as a weekend break if anyone's looking for somewhere to oh, go. Yes. Not We'd frantic, frenetic Italy, but, you know, Italy where you can sit on a pavement and have a nice coffee and bowl of pasta. I would <laughs> love to go to Italy, I'm telling you. I had an Italian grandmother yeah. and uh, Italian blood in me, and yet I've never been to Italy. In fact, I've never been many places, to be honest. I've had a very sheltered life, Lisa, as you know. Oh, well, um, you've been to Mexico. That's I've Okay, <laughs> so you love Turin. Um, I do. Uh, so, wonderful country. Uh, what about the yeah. contest itself? They're all so different. It's it's a funny thing, Eurovision. It feels like it's just the same thing year after year after year. 
and it's like this is this was the 65th sixth contest but it's also the first contest because everyone is different it's run by a different team by a different broadcaster so i just really enjoy seeing how different countries and different broadcasters have their own ideas and their own kind of putting their own stamp on it i i really enjoy that so this year in italy i mean you know, I don't want to play on Italian stereotypes too much, but there's a lot of things in Italy that are really, really pretty, but serve no useful function whatsoever. Okay. So, you know, there was a lot of that. We had that great big waterfall on stage. There's no reason to have a waterfall on stage other than it's ostentatious. It looks amazing, but it serves no useful function at all. So I sort of like the Italian sort of the way that the Italians put their stamp on the contest by bringing superfluous things to it that looked amazing, but, you know, serve no no function whatsoever that was fun um and then you know as always you have your you know three or four favorite acts that you really love and you've always got memories of either meeting them doing interviews with them seeing them on stage seeing them work through their rehearsal process and get from something mm. that starts out in one kind in one way and then you see them change it and make little tweaks as it goes and then you see the final broadcast mm. go out so uh, for me, it's the people. It's always the people that I remember that I that I bring back with me, um, and the new artists that I've met. That I'll some of them I'll follow their careers now, um, others not. But you can't follow everyone. We have forty or so mm. artists every year, so that would sure. be challenging. <laughs> Great. Okay. Now, listen. This is a bad thing to confess, but I think I need to say. So, I haven't been the greatest fan of the Eurovision Song Contest no. in recent years. Loved it as a kid, and then it kind of went weird. And then we started getting no points because you know no one liked the UK. Although, gladly that myth has been dispelled. Abs. I'm so the word vindicated is mm. the word of all the British Eurovision specialists <laughs> like myself. Vindicated because yeah. we spent years and years and blood, sweat, and tears trying to tell people yeah. it's nothing to do with Brexit, the Iraq War, Europe hates us. Like it's yeah. nothing to do with that. We just haven't sent quality of songs that we should have been sending. Simple, really so they, simple. And this year we did. We did. Mm, no doubt about it. Okay, so so here's to, let's 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 cut to the nitty gritty then lisa i there's a number of things that struck me this year because i did watch most of it this year so um there, there is a lovely energy i mean to be honest you know it's it's had this reputation of being a massive camp fest which i think it is and that's good i can take or leave that side of it but there was something to my way of thinking very special about it and perhaps it's always been there it's just i haven't been watching it so much in recent years um, I don't know quite how to describe it, but there was this beautiful energy to the room. There did seem to be beneath all the razzmatazz and everything that you would expect of Eurovision. There was a genuine love, um, a, a genuinely togetherness, a positive energy, something special going on. Can, can you relate to what I'm saying? Or, or... Yes, I can. You, you yeah. yeah. OK, so. So my question for you is, one, what do you think that is? What's that about? And, and, and the big question that I wanted to ask is, what do you think, if anything, the church could learn from Eurovision? So there you go. I've okay. landed those on you. Okay. <laughs> um, well, let's take that first point that you yeah. said about this energy that you mm, yeah. felt. And you were watching on the screen. You weren't in the hall, mm, and, no. unless you were, and I didn't know. And no, I missed I, you. Most definitely wasn't. <laughs> um, 
there is it's so nice when I hear that from people particularly people who like you haven't followed the contest enjoyed it as a kid when if you're a vision you go through that difficult period Um, and even those of us who are you know fans of the show work with the show work on the show acknowledge that you know Eurovision did go through a difficult spell mm. as do most things that have lasted 60 odd years you know they yeah, sure. there are eras in the, in the contest and you know if you look back at history you can see how some of the eras and some of the catalysts that changed and took the contest in a different direction and some of those have been for the better some of those maybe haven't you know it, it, it is it is what it is really mm. and it's lost a lot of viewers along the way and I think one of the things that's happened this year and I saw um yesterday almost as I got off the plane I saw the viewing figures from the BBC and they were so amazing so high they mm. had um 8.9 million I think it was on right. Saturday night peaking at 10.6 million we haven't seen those figures watching Eurovision for years so I think what I would say to that is those of us who've been there and watched it have always known that that energy has been in the room because we felt it. Right. And if been in the room, we've seen it okay. because we've seen it on TV. We've watched the semifinals. We've watched the national finals. I'll come back to those in a minute. Um, so when we see, when we kind of see people coming in either for the first time mm. or experiencing it, again in a, a different stage you know like yourself who did enjoy mm. it then went away and then are sort of coming back to it yeah it's really good for us kind of seeing yeah. that other people are going oh yeah okay and we're like yeah we well we've been having the party for years so you know welcome back <laughs> or welcome <laughs> to join us you know either okay, way good. we're pretty open uh, we're a broad church at eurovision has to be said <laughs> <laughs> so i think um I mentioned there the national final. So one of the things that most of us do uh, is to watch a lot of the build-up to the contest. And right. with web streaming, of course, over you know the last decade or probably 20 years now, we've been able to watch other contests, other countries make their selections. So yeah. by the time we get to uh, this year, Turin or, or Rotterdam last year, Tel Aviv, wherever it is, um, by the time we get there, we kind of already know the artists. A lot of us have been to the national sure. finals. I've mm. been to the, I've been to Norway. I've been to Estonia. Been to all sorts of national finals. So by the time we get there, we've maybe already done interviews with the artists. We know the delegations. We know the fans from all over the world. So when we all get together, it's like a a sort of reunion almost. And this year, probably more than ever, because of course we lost the contest in. 2020 last year's was very much pared down because we were still in you know pandemic situation we're Mm. still sort of in a pandemic situation and Italy has more restrictions uh, currently than we do in the UK but uh, far less than last year so you know it it was almost the return we were probably back to sort of 80% of where we were say in Tel Aviv which was in 2019 Mm. so I think particularly this year maybe that was something that came across on the screen is that the people mm. then sitting in the audience and cheering are the people that have missed out on this thing that is, you know, their thing. And they've missed out seeing their friends for, mm. you know, for a number of years now. 
for me, that was so special. You asked me in the beginning, you know, what my memories and what I really, you know, will treasure about about this time in Italy that I've just had. And it really was, uh, I said to people, but reconnecting with friends mm. from all over Europe and wider Australia as well, you know, in it, Azerbaijan, uh, Georgia, Armenia, I've got friends in all those places. So for me, being able to kind of hug my friends from Slovenia or from Montenegro, mm. for me, that was really important. And maybe it's part of that energy is what is kind of translated down, down the lens yeah. as well. It's kind of joyful coming together of people from all over the place. I think it's also something about the support for one another because, mm. you, you know, I mean, I'm a, I'm a sort of sporting fan and, you know, what what um, tribal um, sporting fans do is they hate one another, you know, it's their <laughs> team or all else. So, you, you know, when your team has just beaten another team, you don't go over and console <laughs> the losing team. You shout rude songs at them and, and stuff like that. So, so there's something... You know, for a competition, there is something rather lovely about, you know, the genuine, it felt genuine anyway, uh, support that there is for the whole community there. I mean, the, the, the country seemed to love each other there and just be really rooting for each other. I don't know how much of that is fake and, and how much is genuine, to be honest, but I can no, only I, tell you how it felt and how it looked. I mean, this, this is interesting for me because I don't have this perspective on the contest anymore because I'm sort of within the bubble mm. of it. All. Yeah. So I don't get to hear this. So this is really interesting mm. talking <laughs> to you about this. I might have to put this out on our radio show and our <laughs> podcast as well. Um, so, yeah, for me, it's 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 brilliant like hearing that of, I mean, of course, we have the, the gentle, you know, ribbing that you give to anybody, you know, mm. when they're when their artist hits a bum note and you sort of laugh at them. But, you know, ultimately we all, we all really want the contest and music to win. Mm. So it doesn't matter. I mean, my favorite this year was San Marino and Achille oh, yeah. riding on his bucking Bronco. I mean, is there <laughs> anything more camp and amazing than that? It was, it was, it was epic. Uh, but he was Trump, my favorite. Yes, amazing. Year. I'm not sure. <laughs> I love him. Um, I, you know, for me, I loved him. He's a huge, huge star in Italy, and right. doing this was yeah. such fun to kind of yeah. see him go through the process. But he's been a big star in Italy for a decade. He's he's yeah. huge. Um, so, but he went out in the semi-finals. Mm. But do I care? No. I mean, yes, I cared at the time. Of course, I do. But I always say to people, just because your favorite one's gone out, it doesn't mean you have to delete that song and never listen to it again. Mm. Like it's on your podcast yeah, and you'll exactly. find other people. Yeah, sure. You know, yeah. you'll find other people who who like that song too. And then you can form your own little sort of group. A great example of that is I'm sure you will remember Conchita who won. Uh, can you, you believe, I know. Can you believe it? Eight years ago now. Um, but yeah, the sort of, fan community that grew up around uh Conchita Tom uh, I've got friends just from that because we all happen to like the same song and then you know one when, when we were in yeah. Israel in 2019 I hooked up with a bunch of the Conchita fans from Israel because I hadn't seen them for years so you know yeah. it does sort of okay well look clearly we could talk about Eurovision for ages but I'm yeah. gonna I'm gonna bring you back to no, the, the more difficult yes. part of that question which is uh, well, maybe it isn't more difficult. I don't know. But do you think there's there's stuff knowing Eurovision as well as you do now 
and knowing churches as well. Do you think there's things the church could learn from the Eurovision contest? I mean, you also know my sort of church situation, and that is outside of all of this mm. stuff and nonsense. Mm. Um, I spend a lot of my time with the LGBT corner of the church. Yeah. So uh, a lot of my answer will probably come from that and, and will probably be fairly expected, I would imagine, mm. in, in terms of things like acceptance and inclusion. Mm. And I think that's something where... I do think the church could learn something from Eurovision and not just Eurovision, other aspects of society as mm. well mm. about the fact that, you know, we are there to do this thing called life together and we have mm. these shared kind of passions and the church has become very tribal in recent years. I don't think anyone would disagree with that. Mm. You know, what sort of tribe do you fit into? And the contest is tribal because you are, you know, you have got your Spanish fans and your Israeli fans and your, you know, British fans. You've got, you're there to represent your country and your denomination. Mm. Let's call it that. Let's use the church yeah. language. Yeah. Yet you also want the other denominations to do well because ultimately you want the contest to grow and grow and grow and get more people mm. in. It comes almost an evangelistic kind of exercise <laughs> to show this way you can live in this world, be yourself, be who you are, be unique, be individual, but also to kind of bring in other people who are unique and different and form this community. It's all about community. It's all about community. That's a lovely message, isn't it? So there's there's such a richness in that diversity, but it doesn't have to be competitive and it doesn't have to be exclusionary. And um, yeah, I'm I I think there's something rather wonderful about that. And for me, I often think I see the kingdom of God in acts of kindness, you know, because mm. I just think it's so reflective of the kingdom of God as I understand it. But also, I think for me, watching Eurovision. I think there was something about the inclusive nature of the celebration. It did feel like it was everyone together joyfully. I mean, you look at Sam Ryder, even when he lost, he, he didn't look like he'd lost. Um, he was just so happy. And he was so, I thought what he said afterwards was very humble and very moving. And he want you know, he was totally supporting Ukraine. And uh, there's something... I just thought there's that brings out the best in our humanity. And that for me is a little sign of the kingdom of God right there. Well, I'll give you another example of that, which I think is illustrative. And these kind of little moments happen every year and they don't necessarily mm. get caught by the main TV cameras, but they come out on social media mm. afterwards, as you mm. would imagine. So um, you won't remember all the nitty gritty, I'm sure. But um, Switzerland, uh, the, the guy from Switzerland, Marius Bear had not too many points from the juries and then he no, received he, he received nothing from mm. the televote bless him and he was crying in the green room and mm. sam Ryder went over to comfort him to hug mm. him to tell him to keep going you know gave him a message he was, was holding him mm. holding his face and kind of just speaking positive good things to him thanking him for coming encouraging him to keep going in his career mm. um, and those little moments happen all the time at Eurovision and I I like to think they would happen in church it reminded me a bit of of 
you know, in Corinthians where, where Paul is saying about when one part of the body is hurting, we all hurt. Mm. Mm. And it really looked from the, from the way that you saw that conversation between mm. Sam and Marius, it looked like Sam was understanding the hurt that Marius had mm. from that from that zero point and he was there to console him and walk alongside him if only for a few seconds because he had to zip back to the green room because the next lot of points were mm. coming but you know i'd like to think that we do that as church i wonder what that would look like in the church and what would it mean for the lgbt community i mean you know i don't know whether you what your experiences have been with churches and 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 your friends and peers but what would it look like if the churches were more like that, do you think? Particularly for that community? First of all, I think it would look like acknowledgement that past hurt is still mm. very present. Mm. I think I think that, you know, just to, to use Sam again as, a, as an analogy for that, he saw that hurt mm. and that upset mm. person. And he took time out of his own busy schedule at that point because points Mm, are coming in you have to be on camera you're busy but he took time out of his own kind of world and focus at that point to just go and comfort and be with somebody who was hurting and who was sad Mm. so Mm. I think I think for the church to sort of acknowledge that that there is this level of sadness and hurt within Mm the LGBT yeah. community, Christians within, you don't have to go outside the church to find the hurt Christians, mm. so they're sitting in mm. pews of every church in this nation almost. Mm. Um, so maybe just taking time out of our own mm. busyness, if you like, of mm. coffee rotors and worship rotors and all the other mm. stuff that goes on in church to notice that somebody's sad and needs a hug mm. or needs yeah. a cup of tea or needs a, mm. a encouraging, comforting word. Yeah. Or just need someone to be with them and sit with them and not say anything. So mm. I think, I think for me that that would be great if we, if we would able to mm. see that in churches, this sort of mm. coming alongside and acknowledging where we are at the mm. moment before we even begin to think about mm. how to progress and get further. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I mean, there's lots more we could say about this and 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 everything, but I, I mean, I think it's it is hard when there is still some you know deeply held um theology that i see as damaging um to that group around um i think it might be hard for some churches to do what you've just suggested even um no i think i think you're right i think it i think for some churches it it would be difficult mm. but i don't recall jesus saying that you don't have to do anything that might be a bit difficult and uncomfortable and that you don't understand <laughs> I, d- I haven't read that in the Bible, so unless I'm reading the wrong Bible, you know, Jesus went and sat with. If you if you believe, if you're a person who believes that, you know, to be gay is a sin, mm. then it's your duty to go and be with a sinner mm. mm-hmm. and sit with them and have a meal with them. Because mm. if if you're of that theology that says, you know, being gay is is wrong, it's a sin then you're probably of the same theology that we should do what Jesus does. Yeah. And what Jesus does is goes and meets with those people. Mm. So, so go have dinner. <laughs> like, um, and what about people who aren't of that theology? Yeah. What, what would you say to perhaps listeners who are thinking, actually, no, that's not my, I don't believe that, that it, it is a sin. What do you want? What would you want to encourage them to do? 
in the church? I think I would encourage them to be, I'll phrase it like this, positively vocal. I think there's been a lot of backwards and forwards. You know, you're wrong, you're wrong from one side to the mm. other, flip, flop, mm. flip, flop. Mm. Everyone throwing Bible verses around like they were, mm. you know, hand grenades. Mm. It's not helpful to anybody. It's mm. It doesn't, sure. n- no one is going to be kind of bullied and, and hand grenaded into one way of thinking or another. Mm. So sure. I think that kind of vocal stuff mm. is it's just not helpful to anybody sure yeah yeah more, yes exactly more destructive mm. than than constructive but i think if people are able to 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 be positively vocal about what's going on in the lives of gay christians like find actually find out mm. you know find out mm. what what we're up to because we mm. we'll tell you you know mm. find out where the blessings are and and there are mm hundreds happening every day in mm. in sort of queer christian world that people just don't necessarily know about so i'd mm. say find out what they are and celebrate with them mm. you know i'll i'll use another eurovision example because please do <laughs> yeah you know kind of when kind of like what you said about sam and ukraine yeah. you know when kalish orchestra won and got 12 points Sam was celebrating that, you mm. know, because that's what we do when anybody gets 12 points, you celebrate mm. their achievements. So I would say being vocal about celebrating the achievements of queer Christians mm. is cr- crucial. It's what we need. We need people. And we need people. Let's come on to another point now. I would mm. say if you are a platform holder or a microphone mm. holder, in some way in the church, whether that's at a local level, whether that's at a more regional level or even a national level. If you are someone who holds a platform, then give that platform to queer Christians to tell their story. Don't Mm -hmm. seek to speak on behalf of people. Mm -hmm. Offer them the platform, the podium, the microphone, the pulpit, the whatever it is that you've got, Mm. because that's wonderful to hear to hear the lived experience out of the mouths of the people who've lived it yeah. is wonderful. So I think that's another really kind of mm. constructive way that people can, can celebrate is to, is to share their platform, give people an audience and listen to what they're saying. Well, Lisa, that sounds, that sounds like some good advice there. Thank you. And thank you for being on the uh, podcast for us. It's, it's about time, isn't it? <laughs> well, you know, I've, I've known you for, I've known Nick longer than you because I used to work with Nick. Yeah, um, no. So, <laughs> yeah, I feel like I've known you forever. That that first anniversary feels like a hundred years it ago. Was it? A, can you believe it? I know it does feel a hundred years ago. Imagine how it feels like for me and Nick. <laughs> no, I can imagine. Well, you're coming up to episode 200 now. We can't believe we're still here. Now, on that, yes, yes, I mean, obviously, I don't want to influence you, but people might not realise what a sensational baker you are. Are you going to be on Bake Off ever? I applied. Um, Did you? So I, I I'm not on, surprised. <laughs> I applied for season two, and I got down to the last kind of group that they picked the people oh, from the from the TV. <laughs> And then I did apply again last year and didn't hear back at all. I think they just get so many people now. Sure, when course. I did it for season two, it was, at, mm. I think it was about 10,000 people. Now mm. they get hundreds of thousands of people. So <laughs> I'd love to be on Bake Off. Well, that listen, if you don't get on, I, Nick and I still like cake. That's all I'm saying. I mean, it's, okay. as you say, 200 episodes coming up. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> anyway, Lisa, thanks so much for taking time out to be with us. Really appreciate it and wish you all the very best. You're welcome. And thank you and Nick so much for the work you put into the podcast. I, I don't get the chance to say that to you, but, you know, thank you. I, I really appreciate it. I've learned so much from you. Oh, bless you, mate. Thanks so much. Take care. Great. Well, that was Joe speaking to uh, Lisa Lisa Jane Lewis. And um, yeah, great. Really interesting. Interesting uh, to see behind the scenes. Yes. As it were. Yeah. Yeah. Of Eurovision. I mean, she is a, an absolute geek and knowledge on. She, yeah, she, she denies it, but no, she is. No, she's a complete geek I, on Eurovision. She, it, I remember you could ask her any question. She'd know the answer. Yeah. Uh, not that I knew many questions about Eurovision, <laughs> if I'm honest, or had many. I suppose I had more existential questions yeah. about it than anything else. Um, but uh, that was fascinating. I loved the idea of um, the tribes and the denominations and the different countries equaling that, but actually everybody wanting music to win. Very powerful, isn't it? Just that simple. I think that's probably the biggest thing I took away from it. Just just to think on that and the idea of that, that actually there can be diversity. There can be tribes. We can all have our own identity, but we can equally all be sharing the same vision that music is the most important thing. Um, yeah, and that, that really translates over, doesn't it, into church and denominations and, you know, how much do we... Do we ever want our the other churches in our town to to succeed and to do really well mm. and to flourish? Mm. I, I wonder about that. Well, it, it, it you know it's, it's like the kingdom of God. You know, mm. do we want the kingdom to grow? I think it's a pretty good challenge for us in mid faith crisis as well because mm. a lot of us have come out of uh, spaces where perhaps we're less enamoured of a particular church mm. or particular denomination. Yeah. And and there's always a bit of us as humans that looks at particular churches and thinks, you know, well, I hope they, I hope something bad happens to them. Do you know what I mean? I, I, shouldn't I do. I shouldn't know, but I do know. <laughs> it's not a good thought. No. But it's just, yeah. you think, it's like that psalmist desire, isn't it? I was thinking about this the other day because somebody was reading out from Psalm 139 um, you know, which is so beautiful and so <laughs> and then angry, deep and yeah. profound, and then everybody stops at verse eighteen. Yeah, because after that it goes, oh, that you would kill the wicked. Yeah, exactly. But, Get smitey. Because <laughs> I hate them, and I've got a really good hatred. My hatred is pure hatred. Yeah. So you know, the the yeah. the thing is, we we don't want to own up to it but often we do feel that way but i just loved it i love mm. the idea that actually maybe it's possible to to think about the kingdom succeeding yeah um ultimately she said she said i think ultimately you want the contest to do well and to grow and you know really ultimately we should want the kingdom of god to do well and to grow shouldn't yeah we? and i think at my best i think i genuinely do want that and whether that is you know, churches building the kingdom of God or individuals or atheists or whoever it happens to be, actually. They're building the kingdom oh. of God. I want them to do really, really well. That's it. On my good days, anyway. Mm. <laughs> and then, of course, the diversity and inclusivity. Obviously, that's always been part of, you know, what Lisa's about. But, you know, that's a big uh, challenge. I think. I that is the big challenge facing the church, I think, at the moment, certainly the church in the UK. Mm. Yeah, and I certainly identified with what she was saying about uh, people throwing Bible verses around like hand grenades. I mean, fortunately, oh, yeah. I've not been near that for, well, seven or eight years now. So it's 
I forget that that goes on. Well, perhaps I should start with you. <laughs> yeah, perhaps you could. I, yeah, no, it's yeah. true. And and I think actually, and you know, when she talks about platform holders, you know, using your platform, I and I don't mean this at all facetiously, or to, but but you know, the reason often they don't is because they know they're going to lose their job. And 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 so that's a difficult thing. I speak from experience, mm. obviously, and you know, I'm, mm. I'm speaking as dispassionately as I can about this. But but that's the tension. Can you lead a church, uh, you know, with with a slightly different theology to what you have? But can you lead them th- through that uh, with unity? Because if you don't lead them mm. through it carefully, you inevitably you end up without a job. And it could go both ways, can't it? Mm. Because I've also been in churches where the leader has been much more conservative than the congregation mm. and has actually had to uh, accept a sort of difference of opinion mm. on that 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 way. Um, you know, and that was an interesting sort of experience. Yeah. You know, it is, as she said, it's all about community and communities are, are wonderful and difficult yes. at the same time, uh, especially if you've got any kind of diversity within them. Um, yeah, so really good. I, I, you know, it was funny as well. She was talking about how um, Sam Ryder went and comforted yeah. uh, the guy. Yeah, which, yeah, and we saw him being interviewed on TV on mm. Monday, I think it was, or Tuesday. And Claire actually turned to me and she said, "Is he a Christian?" Just because of the way he was he was speaking. And obviously, you know, mm. we only like to listen to Christians. No, obviously, you know, yeah, you know, no, we if we look somebody up, and if they're not a Christian, we turn. We don't off want you being polluted. <laughs> no, by you, the world. no. And I have a, I have a selection of soft fruit that I like to throw at the television <laughs> in lieu of rocks, so that I can metaphorically stone them. <laughs> uh, no, no. I ought to say it wasn't out of that. It was just because of the, just because of the way he was. He speaking. gave off an energy. There's a sort of love and a, and a groundedness actually there that I thought was really good. I, I, I um, think he is a genuinely loving person, therefore is genuinely Christ-like, whether he would say he is or would acknowledge it or not. Yeah, you know, sure. I think that, sh- that I think you're right. It shines through him. Well, he looks a bit like Jesus, he, doesn't he? He's got he's, long he, hair and a beard. He's, he's well on the way, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> All he needs is a pair of sandals. He's in, really. <laughs> Anyway, I hope you, hope everyone you found that interesting. Yeah. And of course, there may be listeners in other parts of the world who have little comprehension of what the Eurovision Song Contest actually is. Yeah. In which case, just go and look at some of it. Yeah, just YouTube it. Be amazed. <laughs> <laughs> but it's great, and and the theme of unity is definitely worth dwelling on. You know, with, with mm. it with diversity in it. I mean, it seems to me people love to talk about the early church and everything. It sounds like the early church was absolute chaos for this very reason um that rich and poor and young and old and high status and low status all came and shared the same meal together i mean that's a recipe for chaos right so Mm, yeah yeah and there they were not sharing a meal but singing together and there was something quite powerful about it if you if you could be bothered to think of it that way i think yeah Yeah, really good and thank you lisa did the early church wear as much lycra? That that would be my I would question. have thought so. That was very important. <laughs> Those long yeah, cold actually. nights. <laughs> <laughs> I should think Paul loved nothing better than a sequined cat suit. 
<laughs> anyway, thank you very much for listening. Yeah. Um, thank you as ever to everybody who contributes, and we have had some lovely contributions recently. Yeah. We will be sort of picking up on those in future episodes, and of course, next episode. Uh, will be our 200th and it will be marked by oh all manner of underwhelming celebrations <laughs> well i was going to say wonderfully prepared you know commemorative we should have got some merch out we haven't even got any merch i know it's shocking yeah it's absolutely awful anyway mm. it's only a number isn't it? yeah it is don't beat yourself up nick you're doing a great job mate <laughs> I was more thinking about you, but anyway. Okay, (laughs) well, there we go. Uh, Thanks for listening. We'll be back with you next week. See you then.